I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. The podcast that finishes your workday in a very Red Raider way. This is the Tech Talk Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hey there, how you going? It's Tech Talk on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. With Paul, I'm Aaron. We'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Way in at double T973.com or through the double T973 mobile app presented by Happy State Bank. Uh, Minnesota has gone up on Bowling Green 16 to 10, 920 left to play in the second half. We have coverage of that, play by play coverage of that over on 100.7. The score, Th- these games are interesting, uh, at least to me. Uh, and I realize that I'm kind of a junkie here <laughs> because it means a lot. To Bowling Green, right? In oh, any absolutely. of those MAC programs, an opportunity to beat a Big Ten team that that makes for a pretty special potentially eight and five season, for example. Whereas Minnesota at five and seven, you know, by all rights shouldn't be in a bowl game. Um, and this is more about them not losing than it is winning. It really is. It really is. And, and you know, I mean, five and seven—that's you know—that's that's a brutal draw, anyways. It kind of goes back to and we talk about this a lot covering high school football is you know you you what do you do in a playoff scenario you've got four schools that make it in are you are you excited that fourth seed you end up playing the number one seed from another district that's you know probably ranked in the top 15 in the state and uh that can be brutal and and you know <laughs> you got a five and seven team, obviously um, not where nowhere near the even the middle of the road for the the big and uh, yeah oof, just ugly, just ugly. I would um, I I would really hate. Th- there are a number of programs that that I feel this way about right now. I would really hate to be a Minnesota fan right now. Mm-hmm. I think they're screwed. Yeah, because listen. PJ Fleck has done a pretty good job there, right? right. Eleven and two, nine and four, nine and four, five and seven this year on tr- on pace right now. Still early though to go six and seven. Um, so four straight bowl games, which is nothing to sniff at, right? No, I'm no. not. I'm not dogging that job. His issue is, and Minnesota's issue is, they've they've been doing all this in the the Big Ten West, right? Yeah. A terrible division. It's it's Big Twelve North esque. Yes, for us, you know, Tech fans. Um, and, and they haven't really, I don't think changed the, the paradigm of the program, like recruiting wise, they're still kind of fishing in those same waters. Their classes still largely rank, uh, about the same, you know, somewhere between, you know, mid thirties to the fifties. And that'll, that'll hunt in the big 10 West when you get to play Nebraska right? and you know, all the other like Northwestern and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. When, when the, when the, when the biggest dog on the block is Iowa. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you might be in some trouble there. Um, but now it's opened up. There are no divisions starting next year in the big 10. You're adding in USC, you're adding in UCLA, Oregon, Washington. Um, you're, you're not going to be benefiting from an easy schedule and yeah. you know, your exposure will probably be limited as a result. 
maybe more Big Ten games. And so I just don't know, like, wow, that was a wicked hit. Whew. Clean, but wicked. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just don't know where they go. Like, what's what's the best case scenario? Like, you, if you were a Minnesota fan over the last four years, you could have you could have realistically woken up um, in the preseason going, we, we could contend for a division championship. You know, like that's within grasp for sure. What's that now? Uh, nothing. I mean, it just. Yeah, that was a wicked hit. Yikes. And it was right there at the border, too. It was so close with about a step of being uh, a little bit of a a late hit out of bounds. But, man, that was clean. That's what you got to do. No, I I think that's exactly where they they found themselves in a very precarious situation that I don't know if there's a (laughs) – I I mean, do you just just sit there and, you know, accept mediocrity and and know that – that's probably going to be your lot in life moving forward, and you'll never, never, never aspire to anything greater. Because yeah, once they do away with those divisions, I mean, that's that's truly where you're going to be, because you know that you know USC is going to compete for those kids that uh, you know obviously are very talented. You're going to have your Oregon and your Washington, who have both had you know Washington being in the college football playoff this year. And then you know that, and then Michigan, it's it's in the college football. You just you there's too many obstacles there. So I think you kind of missed your window. This is who they play next year. Actually, let me. We'll compare and contrast. It's a three-hour show. It is. Uh, this year they played. This is actually a pretty tough schedule, right? They played Nebraska, Eastern Michigan. They played at North Carolina. Uh, they played at Northwestern. They had a, a home game against Louisiana Lafayette. They hosted Michigan. They played at Iowa. They hosted Michigan State. They hosted Illinois at Purdue, at Ohio State, Wisconsin at home. Next year, they played North Carolina again, this time mm-hmm. at home. Rhode Island and Nevada, also at home. They host Iowa. They play at Michigan. They host USC. They play at UCLA, Maryland, Illinois on the road, Rutgers on the road, Penn State, Wisconsin, and that's just next year. Like that's, I mean, it's going to get just yeah. And again, like it, it would be different if they had taken advantage of their on-field success and parlayed that into some, some, some increased success in recruiting. Exactly. But they haven't done that. Yeah. It's it's super frustrating, I would guess. And uh, listen, you should still try to compete. I'm yeah. not saying that they should just <laughs> just roll over like, and die. Chuck yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely not. I'm just saying it's it's um it, it's going to be a shock, I think, to to them and and fan bases of other teams as well, where you know you can't really count on you know three wins here or there from just playing a a bunch of bottom feeders in uh, in your division. I wonder if Wisconsin is going to kind of feel that too. Um, I was not just especially impressed with them in year one under Luke Fickle. And, you know, that's a program that has has a history of success. So it's not like it, it's foreign to them in any way, shape, or form. But It's interesting that, like, what Wisconsin had that I was very um, jealous of in a way was an identity, right? right. Whether it was under, you know, Christ or, I mean, just name their coaches before Fickle. Um, even Gary Anderson, like they were going to run smash mouth, big 10 traditional yeah. football and, and they would be successful. It wouldn't be ugly like Iowa. Yeah. 
And then they went away with that, with Luke Fickle. And I just, I don't know how you're going to beat the Oregons and the Washingtons and the USC's and the Ohio State's and the Penn State's by running a spread offense that they run too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you saw historically what happened with Nebraska over over time when you got away from that. And um, Callahan just completely dismantled uh, an identity for a football program moving forward and they they have really never recovered since then and that was that was the black shirts and the running the ball and everything that um Osborne had established over the course of time that you it struck fear in people it really did and it was intimidating when you went on the field. I was I was over in this stadium right across the the street here and watched the beatdowns mm-hmm. on the hands of of the Huskers. So yeah, to, to lose that kind of personality and that that kind of demeanor, it it does a lot to a program. And uh, I you may never get it back. <laughs> you may not. Uh, I I would hope just for the the prideful aspect of it for an organization or for a, a university or program like that that you would you would do everything in your power to get some of that 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 mantra back that you had that machismo that that kind of put you in a position of power for so long but who knows it's that's these days it's success can be fleeting sure. and we're seeing it uh, on pretty much every level of competition in it's, athletics it's not super hard to get good it's extremely hard to stay good yep more tech talk next the podcast put together with red raider fans in mind this is the tech talk podcast from double t 97.3 presented by cantex roofing and construction Hi, how are you? Good afternoon. It's Tech Talk on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com with Paul. I'm Aaron. Love to hear what you have to say on the Yates Flooring Center chat line at Double T 97.3.com. This person says on the chat line, uh, Florida State, North Carolina, NC State, and Clemson to the Big 12. I guess that's a prediction. Certainly has not been reported. Uh, would you be uh, happy with that, Paul? I don't know. Uh, you know, I kind of figured it, with any fallout that we have from the ACC that Virginia Tech might be a possibility. North Carolina State might be a possibility. Those are ones that I would immediately look at. Um, I don't know if Clemson would fall in there. It just always seemed like the demise of the ACC would lead to FSU and um and Clemson going to the SEC in some way, shape, or form. And I know that there have been incredibly low-key about that, saying, oh, no, no, we're not interested in expanding beyond this. But let's be honest. I mean, they were more than ecstatic to have Texas and Oklahoma join them. Sure. And both of those teams, in my mind, still with Florida State and Clemson are brands, and they would be crazy not to include those. They – travel wise that's another thing that really checks a box you don't i mean you're really kind of situated in a good position there to uh limit some of that travel because i think when you see what's going on with the big 12 and what's you know going on with the big 10 there's going to be so much travel involved it it's one thing if you're talking about your football program but if you're talking about or your soccer program for that matter. But if you're talking about basketball, if you're talking about baseball, softball, things that you play multiple games over the course of a season, um, 
you have all that has to come into play in some way, shape, or form. And if you can kind of limit that, it makes a whole lot of sense to have those. Yeah, I mean, I would be, um, I would be shocked if at the end of the day, whether this happens in the next, you know, three years or in the mid twenty thirties, if Florida State and North Carolina and Clemson end up in the Big Twelve, um, and and really, North Carolina is the prize here. Yeah. I mean, Florida State and Clemson are. Um, gigantic. Well, not gigantic. They're very big football brands. They're the most attractive football brands uh, outside of the Big Ten and the SEC beginning July 1, 2024. It's not especially close. But North Carolina is still head and shoulders the prize. Uh, North Carolina basketball is the biggest brand, period, mm-hmm. outside of the Big Ten and the SEC. They are in a contiguous state for both the Big Ten and um, well, close, not right. quite, but especially the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if the Big Ten adds Virginia, then it would be a contiguous state. You bet. It either way, it would not be some massive travel outpost like Florida State would be, right? Right. Um, like Oregon and and Washington and USC and UCLA are academically it fits, and the Big Ten typically you know walks that talk, walks mm-hmm. that walk uh, when it comes to caring about academics. It's a it's a new market for both conferences, and um, you know it's in the South, which is a you know yeah. population is growing in the South. It's declining um, in California. It's declining in the the Midwest. That's the prize. Florida State is is like blazing this trail um, in order to be the third choice, right? The second or the third choice. It's really really odd, honestly. Um, they're they're taking all these bullets, all this heat, all these angry looks, these lawsuits. They're paying all these lawyers <laughs> to kind of figure out these answers, and all that for North Carolina to jump them in line. Um, will the Big Twelve get some leftovers if if things settle into a three conference model? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Do I think that Florida State, North Carolina, and Clemson will be involved in that? No, absolutely yeah. not. No, I don't. I don't think that either. Um, I but as I mentioned, I, I think. The more likely choice would be North Carolina State out of, out of that out of that mess, um, but yeah, North Carolina, you have that you've built a brand with basketball, you've established yourself or kind of reestablished yourself as a football team that can that can play. Sure, um, you know that they can play a lot of other sports too. Baseball's been strong. You've just you've you've been able to demonstrate um, your wherewithal on the college landscape in a lot of different ways. So yeah, I'd, I'd say North Carolina definitely would be the prize in there just because they have a lot of means. Um, and it's not to shortchange anything Florida state does and Florida state baseball, excellent baseball program. We know that firsthand. Um, but yeah, I, it, 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 when it does kind of, when the rubber, you know, hits the road, I, I would say probably North Carolina. And then the other thing about Florida state is too, the Big Ten and the SEC are not desperate, right? No, no they, neither they, one of them. They are right in now. a great situation. Florida State joining their league does not make or break anything. It, no. it is it is a margin. It was a marginal addition if they make it. If if you're in the SEC, if you're a decision maker, if you're a, a, a university CEO in the SEC or the Big Ten, and and seeing how they're acting, mm-hmm. and and like. President, regents, boosters, everyone, how they're acting. 
toward their league partners right now, it doesn't make you excited to add them, no, right? Because no. if they do that now, they're liable to do it again in the future. Um, so I, I think Florida State is 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 misplaying this in a in a big way. Um, I, I think that they could uh, probably challenge the grant of rights without being so, um, I don't know, hostile about it. <laughs> Demonstrative. I don't know. I mean, they they've been bleep talking the ACC for eighteen months. Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, and so. and part of it I know goes back to the ACC's decision to add the likes of you know. Stanford and Cal and SMU and um, including having people not take any money to join the league. I know that was kind of what kind of value are any of those brands adding to that that conference and and that's that's been one of their sticking points. I get it. I do. I definitely get it. I, yeah, that's a pyramid scheme. Yeah, it really is. At that point. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I mean. Uh... We'll be. It'll be curious to kind of see what happens over the next eighteen months. There, um, you know, I, I think. I think more broadly, a, as we move into the next decade, um, I wonder if it's going to skip a step. Right? Mm-hmm. If if Florida State is successful and they're able to get out of their grant of rights, does that just we go from five to three in the in the matter of thirty six months? Or does that hasten the, all right, this, we just can't keep doing this. Let's just blow this up and figure something else out. And if, if that's the case, what happens then, right? Because we haven't seen, um, at least in a power conference perspective, teams get kicked out, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, Vanderbilt still cashing those checks. Indiana, Purdue still cashing those checks, yeah. right? What, what happens... Um, in in a in a power two scenario or a super conference, I'm using air quotes here. Right scenario, when Indiana has as many power conference teams as California, right or yeah. Texas, that's not going to fly, dude. No, like I don't I don't care how long they've been in the Big Ten. I don't care how long the two Mississippi schools have been in the SEC. At that point, when you start playing with college football to that degree, the the politicians start getting involved, and <laughs> and they already you, are. <laughs> you are you are insane. Yeah, they already are in a much bigger degree. You bet. You're insane if you think that Indiana is going to have as many power conference teams when all the dust settles in football yeah. as Texas and California. You're insane. More tech talk next. podcast put together with Red Raider fans in mind. This is the Tech Talk podcast from Double T 97.3 presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hi there. How are you going? Happy Tuesday. It's Tech Talk on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com with Paul Tubbs. I'm Aaron Dickens. Love to hear what you have to say on the Yates Flooring Center chat line at double T973.com. We're currently enjoying the first responders bowl uh, right now that uh, you can hear live on 100.7 The Score. We're watching it on ESPN. Uh, Bobcats up 7 to nothing right now of Texas State uh, over Rice, 11.48 to go in the first quarter. So 
to continue our conversation from the previous segment, mm-hmm. um, who would you put first in a Big 12 preseason? You know, I based on that, based on what I've seen, at least at the end of the season, I might put Arizona at the top, to be quite honest. And I would probably put Oklahoma State, too. I'd probably put Tech, three. Are you surprised at how low you have Utah? Like, would... Would August Paul be surprised at how low oh, December Paul? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you, and especially after all the talk we heard on every social media platform, oh, you know, the, the denial about Utah actually moving into the Big 12 in the first place. And then once that whole acceptance had hit their fan base, that they were just going to roll in here and just, oh, we're going to own the, the Big 12. You, you can't even beat Northwestern. I know. <laughs> and yeah, and you had so many kids that left that were in the transfer portal. I don't, and I'm not real um, impressed with their incoming class, to be quite honest. So I, I don't, I, it is shocking to me because they, they had been, and maybe it was just the falsehood, you know, that we were talking about with Kansas State where you had a little bit of, you know, this thought in the back of your mind, oh, you know, they're, they're you know, the unbeatable the mighty, force, the yeah. mighty this. And maybe it was just the falsehood that was the pack for so many years. And you were, you were successful as a Utah program in quite possibly one of the worst time frames for that conference as far as strength. And and it showed. <laughs> I mean, your 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 last chance to leave a lasting impression on people, and you absolutely lay an egg. It does seem like this new Big Twelve, you know, Big Twelve three whatever you want to call it. There are a lot of programs, and they've done this. Like they've mm-hmm. they've had success doing this. So this isn't some kind of like theory, but it's tough to do this year in year out over a long period of time but you do have a lot of programs that are making more with less right to kind of go on your commentary about utah's class i mean i think eight of the 14 teams in the conference right now and i'm i'm guessing that eight to ten of the 16 that will be in it um starting next year their average star rating for their incoming class is below three Right, it's two yeah. point something. I mean, Oklahoma State, I think two point six seven. Kansas State, same thing, I think. Um, and so there's a real opportunity here, and, and hopefully it's Texas Tech. Yeah. For a program or a small number of programs to really distance themselves from the rest of the pack in terms of high level recruiting, and then also developing and utilizing those players properly. You bet. Right. Um, because if you can go into most conference games with a an advantage in talent, right? doesn't mean you're going to win the game. No. Look at Texas for most of the last decade. Uh, but it, it certainly raises your floor, right? It increases it your margin for error. Um, and it'd be great if one of those programs was Tech. Well, and, and just to kind of to kind of emphasize that point, you look at the, the difference between ones and twos on a squad, how much depth that you have. What's the drop-off between your ones and twos? Um you know, I think you saw an excellent example of this when Tech played Texas this year and you had so many guys that were injured. The drop-off and experience from ones and twos was significant. 
and it showed. Texas really didn't have any mass injuries on their team, but the drop-off from their ones to twos to threes and fours, for that matter, is significant. There's a reason why there are, I don't know how many players in the portal for Georgia right now that are four- and five-star rated kids because they have that kind of depth. There is not a drop-off between ones, twos, and threes. It's it's pretty even right. across the board. It's plug-and-play. Um, but, yeah, being able to utilize what you have, that was kind of the hallmark of, of Mike Leach, was it not? I mean, you, you didn't have all these excellent players. You might have a couple, two, three guys that would – step on the field, your quarterback, and obviously your wide receiver at one point in time. But for the most part, you didn't have across the board the same kind of players, but you figured out a system and a way that you could operate and be successful and be successful for an extended period of time. I'll be interested to see whether there's that's the case with some of these other teams now that you are kind of saying, you know what, we're stepping to the forefront. Because I don't, I don't know that it's possible for – you know, half of the league or more to be successful while, you know, coaching up their guys, right? right. Like, is mm-hmm. is there a scenario where Iowa State, Kansas State, um, you know, Oklahoma State, BYU, you know, et cetera, coach them up to the point where they're successful and have, you know, sustained mm-hmm. success and coaches get extensions and stuff, things like that? I don't think so. Like, and, and Kansas too, like they're not killing it in recruiting either. So no. something has to give, right? That that is an unsustainable model, I think. Um, you know, Mike Leach is a good example of it lasting for a while, and yeah. certainly, I mean, he was successful at Wazoo and at Mississippi State, and he was never an exceptionally strong recruiter. Um, so maybe he is the exception that that proves the rule. But uh, either way, I'm, I'd love to just kind of fast forward four years and just take a peek. Yeah. You know, yeah. See whether all this uh, recruiting effort that you've put in over the course of the last couple of years really because you're you're, pays the, off. you're the first of of the sixteen teams in the conference starting next July. Texas Tech is the first to sign back to back top twenty five classes since Arizona State did it in twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I, I think that kind of uh, um, emphasizes the opportunity here. Oh, yeah. Because Oklahoma State will pop up here and there and have a, a top 25 class, and then they'll fall back to 35. And TCU, same thing, or, or Baylor. But if you can stack them, man, right? If you can sign another one next year. Yeah, yeah. That's building that depth we were talking about. I mean, that's that's really – you want to know the success of a college program, it's really ba- based on the depth and what you can be able to plug and play there when the situation arises. All those programs that have had success over the course of the last 10, 15, 20 years have had so much depth. They've been able to plug and play. More Tech Talk next. The podcast that finishes your workday in a very Red Raider way. This is the Tech Talk podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hi, how are you? Good afternoon. Tech Talk on Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. Paul, I'm Aaron. Uh, right now we have coverage of the First Responders Bowl uh, on 100.7 The Score featuring Texas State and Rice. Bobcats up 7 to nothing early in the game. Still about uh, 10 minutes to go in the first quarter. So 
to kind of continue on this conversation yeah. about next year's Big 12, you, you said that you might vote for Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I, that's a good vote. Um, that's what makes this coming season a, a bit more interesting to me because, yeah. you know, in, in this past summer, you could have just slotted all four of the newcomers on the bottom and felt okay about it, right? Yeah, and, and absolutely. As it turns out, that's more or less where they finished. Um. You can't really do that here. No, you right? can't. Right? I mean, Arizona State, I think you can comfortably fit bottom half. Yeah, um, I think you can. Kind of closer to the bottom than the than the midpoint. Colorado is an interesting that, – that really, to me, it really depends on how you feel about prime. Yeah, and I think it really anything else. Um, But Arizona and then to a lesser extent Utah, I mean, they probably deserve a spot in the top half. But where um, – I didn't realize this because I didn't – Pay just a ton of attention to Pac-12 football, but um, they they replaced their starting quarterback in like September. Arizona did. Jaden mm-hmm. Delora, the transfer from Wazoo, he was pretty good last year for him. Twenty twenty two, got hurt in September. Never got his job back, and they've been starting a true freshman named Oh hell, what is his name? He's like five foot nine. <laughs> All right, cheer for the little guy. Huh? Yeah, Noah Fafita. Pac-12 freshman of the year this past year, 25 touchdowns, maybe like five interceptions in eight games. Wow, nice ratio. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Arizona lists him at 5'11", but he's a tiny dude. And he's not like Kyler Murray in that he's not running around right. and, and crushing you with his legs. I think he might have negative rushing yards on the season. Um, he is he is a pocket passer. Um. I'll be curious to see how that works out in the Big 12. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've you can kind of tell that the physicality elements that we've seen 31 carries, 2 yards. 31 carries, season. 2 yards. Okay, so I mean, we're not going to expect him to to uh yeah. set the world on fire on the ground. But I mean, yeah, physicalities, I mean, those are those are some of the things that I think You've seen out of, and I know you've seen more out of, uh, out of Coach DeRuder's defense this last year. Uh, you've got some big guys coming back. I think you got some surprises in the bowl game, which you were like, "Wow, uh, we, we've got some younger guys that just were hungry for that opportunity to show." Yeah, you got to keep them healthy. Um, you add a little bit more depth to that, and you have through the portal. You'll probably add a little bit more. Um, I, I'm. I'm excited about that, and I think that probably might put a little added pressure on somebody that they hadn't seen. I don't think you probably had a lot of defenses in the Pac-12 that were just got people quaking in their boots, maybe outside of – you definitely didn't – Not in Los Angeles. No, not in Los Angeles. Maybe you did with the Huskies. That's probably about the closest thing you had to a decent defense because Oregon really didn't kind of blow your mind. Most of the things that they did, especially when we saw it early on in the season this year, really didn't blow me away defensively. I, you know, I think you, other than shooting yourself in the foot, that's really what you did in that game. You had every opportunity to win it, but their defense really didn't kind of blow me away as a dominant defense. So, yeah, that might be another opportunity um, for some of these defenses that have a little bit more uh, oomph to them. To, uh, to flex their muscles. Another, let's just make this the Arizona hour. Um, 
another element to the Wildcats, though, too, is they're, 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 they won nine games, right? Mm-hmm. They won they went nine and three, and they'll play Oklahoma um, for a chance to win ten. Yeah. Right? And they're an underdog in that game, but sure. I don't think by, you know, double digits. They won nine games. They might win ten. There's going to be some expectations on the Wildcats next year, right? I would think so. Regionally, nationally, certainly locally, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> they were picked eighth in the Pac-12 this past season, right? Like they—they're not that far removed from, I think, like a twenty-plus game losing streak. Yeah, it was bad. Um, how does this program handle expectations, right? And you could say the same thing about Tech, right? Clearly, you didn't sure. handle expectations. No, great. you didn't. Although I think it was less about. Uh, approach and more about injuries, but we could have that conversation sure. if you want. <clears throat> How does Arizona handle being preseason number one in the Big Twelve, or you know, had, getting first place votes? Yeah. I mean, they'll certainly get first place. Oh votes. yeah, absolutely, they'll get first place votes. Uh, that'll be that'll be interesting because that's not a program football wise that is really used to that level of expectation. Not not in a long long time have they had those kind of expectations. Basketball, absolutely. You know, if they were not picked, um, not only at the top, w- along with UCLA at the top of the uh, Pac-12, but they were perennial picked in the top five mm-hmm. in the country. So yeah, that's that's something you always, and you expected that in baseball. So yeah, it really is football. Maybe uh, that that's it's been a foreign thing at least in the last decade or so. But yeah, I, I, I will be interested to see kind of how they handle that expectation of, of being in the top half, coming in as an expectation of being in the top half of the Big 12. Yeah, this is their second best season in the last 25 years. Uh, in 2014, they went 10-4. They lost in the Fiesta Bowl. They finished ranked uh, in the top 20. So, yeah, interesting. More tech talk next it's every red raiders favorite podcast this is the tech talk podcast from double t 97.3 presented by cantex roofing and construction hi there how are you going it's tech talk on double t 97.3 and double t 97.3.com with paul i'm aaron we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on the yates flooring center chat line at double t 97.3.com how's this for a stat Texas State football this year, uh, the first team in at least the last 25 years to both score 77 points in a game and also <laughs> give up 77 points in a game. That's crazy. That's a crazy stat. But, yeah, wow. They're up 14-7 now on Rice, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, with that kind of precedent set, who knows what they'll uh, what this outcome will be at the end of this game. Love to get your thoughts and comments. On the Yates Flooring Center chat line at double T ninety seven three dot com. Colorado looking ahead to the next year too is I mean their their traditional recruiting class is terrible. Yeah. Right? Like they, they signed Jordan Seaton, the number one overall offensive tackle in the in the class. He's a top fifteen prospect in the country. Um that's good. Yeah. Right? That's awesome. Oh, no doubt. Good for them. They they sound like five other guys. Yeah, they you, don't have anybody else past that. You can't build entirely through the portal. I think that this year and their season kind of proves that, mm-hmm. or at least goes a long way toward proving that. Um, and, you know, 
you, you can't you can't churn half your roster year after year. Yeah. Well, I mean, even successful. E- even success from let's just say pre-portal, and we're looking at just JUCO guys like what Snyder built Kansas State out of. It took a while, and but he was consistent. You still had him for two years going into that and buying into a philosophy and and practicing with that philosophy and executing with that philosophy. And you know, I. I mean, yeah, it was a big splash hiring Dion. You knew what you were going to get. You knew it was going to be a lot of show. Um, you weren't sure what the substance was going to be beyond that. We found out real quick. You know, the the win over TCU and everybody was just, oh, this the Dion's going to take over college football. Well, you know, TCU lost a ton of players off of that team that that made it to the playoffs the year before. Lots. Lots of skill players, lots of leaders on that squad. And I, I think it showed throughout the year. I mean, they didn't have a, a great season, and there's a reason behind that. And it, everything else kind of panned out as well because you saw that Colorado, mm, you know, it, it was really, a struggle to get to four wins. It really does feel like if you are interested in forming conclusions about teams or players, mostly teams. Mm-hmm. You should just not watch week one ever no. in college football. <laughs> no, ever. you don't learn anything. Right? Like, two years ago, uh, Northwestern beat Nebraska. And yeah. then they didn't win another game. Yeah. You know, that game was in Ireland. And then, you know, when was that Texas Notre Dame game? It just, so many of those those results are just meaningless. You know, I'm like, hell, look at Wyoming. Right. Hey guys, hey that loss sucked, but that's a that's a really good Wyoming team that's going to do a lot of damage. Probably going to win the Mountain West, and I think they lost four games. You know, yeah. like yeah, you you don't know. Yeah, eight and four. No, I mean that, and I think it kind of goes back to those first few games. That's why that's why you play a lot of those non conference games is to figure some things out. Who's going to be able to be dependable for you? Who's going to stay healthy for you? Uh, you know, you you haven't had a healthy quarterback here in Lubbock, Texas for a full season um, since Patrick Mahomes was your starter. That's that's rough. That's rough. Um, and that's that factors into it, too. Well, but yeah, and even then healthy air mm-hmm. quotes, because it wasn't like he wasn't. He no, was he was up. beat up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we were talking about it during the break. I That was a conversation I had with with his mom, his rookie year. I was over uh, covering the the Cowboys and and the Chiefs in that game and just chatting with her and I said how's it going she said it was great because he's not playing and he gets a chance to get healthy because he played that especially that whole last season just beat up you are and you if you can if you can somehow navigate through that and they're not injuries that could end your career right then um, or set your team back, you know, it's it's a grind, man. And we were talking about this, too, during the break, you know, going back to, to Arizona. You know, they're 9-3. and three. Their three losses are all one-possession losses. Their first loss was against Mississippi State. It was an overtime loss, 31-24. Their second loss was against Washington, 31-24 in regulation. And their third loss was 43-41 to USC in three overtimes. I mean, you legitimately could be looking at a team 
that was playing Texas in the playoffs right. instead of Washington. I mean, that very well could have happened. So I guess that's probably a little bit of my optimism towards having them come into the Big 12 and have a, a level of success early on. But, yeah, it really depends on <laughs> if you're able to navigate those first few games without any kind of hitches and um, and really take, yeah, whatever those first two games, the grain of salt, that they may not even factor into what happens in late October, early November. So... Next year, Arizona, this is actually, next year they play at Kansas State as a non-conference game. Interesting. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, So their non-conference schedule next year is New Mexico, Northern Arizona, and then they're at Kansas State for a non-conference game. That's going to be tough. And then uh, their away games are pretty manageable. They've got five home games, conference games, so not counting mm-hmm. Kansas State. Uh, five home games, Arizona State, Colorado, Texas Tech, Houston, and West Virginia. Right? I mean, the Mountaineers were 8-4 and four this year. Um, Tech Bowl game. But other than that, You've got a, an Arizona State team that was, I think, three and nine, not very good. Mm-hmm. You've got a Colorado team that was four and eight, and then you've got a Houston team that was terrible and got their <laughs> coach fired. Yeah. Um, and then on the road, Utah won't be easy. No. And I think won't. UCF will be challenging, and certainly the distance plays a factor too. That um, more than anything, I think, and and weather obviously weather was a huge factor in that Oklahoma State game. It was if you watched it, it was the biggest sloppy mess you've probably ever seen in a football game outside of an NFL game for that matter. But uh, yeah, weather and distance will play a factor. This has been the Tech Talk Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.